verse for this week is 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, where John said, Hereby we do know that we know Him. And how do we know that we know Him? If we keep His commandments. And so what I want to do tonight is look at this verse in connection with some other passages in this context. When you look at the book of 1 John, one of the things that stands out is John is writing to Christians in the first century, and he is trying to establish their assurance in Christ. In other words, he wants them to feel secure in their walk with the Lord. There are a lot of folks in the world today, there are a lot of people in the church, I guess I should say, who quite frankly don't feel comfortable in their relationship to God. They wonder, am I really walking as I ought to walk? Am I living in such a way that God would be pleased with my behavior? What John wants to do is to give us a foundation so that we can build upon that foundation and so that we might have security. Because really, without security, Christianity, it's a tough task, isn't it? And so let's look at what John says. I want to begin, first of all, by talking about our confidence in Christ. I said just a minute ago in verse 3, John said, By this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. Again, John wants to provide his readers, particularly in the first century and generations that would follow, he wants to establish a sense of confidence or assurance in their relationship to God. So when you think about the commands of God and you begin looking at all the passages of Scripture that emphasize obedience to God, why is it that we obey God? Why do we live in compliance with His will? I think there are really two reasons. Number one, we obey His commandments because we love Him, don't we? We live in compliance to the will of God because as John would say, we love Him because He first loved us. Now you remember in the earthly ministry of Jesus, He was asked on one occasion, what's the great commandment in the law? And how did He answer that? He said, well, you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, all of our faculties are to be directed to loving God, aren't they? And you think about the task to draw closer to God and to grow in our love to God. One of the ways that we grow in our love for God is by spending time in His Word, isn't it? By coming to greater appreciation for what the Lord has done for us. And then I think there's a second thought here. First, we talk about we obey the commands of God because we love Him. A second reason would be because of our loyalty. To him. If you have children, why do you take care of your children? Why is it that you provide for them on a daily basis? There are a lot of things that as parents we do for our children. We wash their clothes, we dry their clothes, we fold them, we put them away, we feed them on a daily basis, we take them to the doctor if they need medical care. Why do we do all these things? Well, number one, because we love them, don't we? But number two, because when we decided to become a parent, we understood that there are certain responsibilities that go along with parenthood, don't they? 
There are certain things that are required of us as parents. We do those things not begrudgingly, but because we love our children, because we want to take care of them. By the same token, you think about as children of God. We obey His commands because we love Him, yes, but because also there is this sense of loyalty. Now Jesus said in John chapter 14 and the long ago, if you love me, what will you do? You'll keep my commandments. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John would say, this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments, he said, are not grievous or burdensome. So we love God, but then there is this sense of loyalty to God. What about our loyalty or our allegiance to Jesus? Didn't Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? You think about when you became a Christian. In one sense of the word, you were signing on the dotted line, weren't you? And you were saying that my allegiance, my affections, my activities are going to be directed toward serving the Lord day in and day out. It was a conscious decision that you made. You remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's what we talk about in terms of loyalty. Self-denial, putting the Lord first, making sure that our lives revolve around Him. Scripture tells us that God is to be preeminent in our lives. And so when we demonstrate an obedient faith, we do it because we love Him. We do it because we're loyal to His cause. But there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First, we talk about our confidence in Christ. Secondly, however, there's what I would call a conflict in Christ. So listen now to what John says in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 4. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And he said, the truth is not in him. Now, first of all, I think about the consistency of our walk. And by that I mean our practice and profession are on the same plane. We profess that we love God, that we're loyal to God, that we're a part of His family, that we're abiding in Him, but we demonstrate that how so? By our practice. You remember in Matthew chapter 23, one of the most scathing rebukes that Jesus leveled toward any group of people was directed toward the scribes and the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, He would say, whatever they command you to do, He said, that do. He said, for they say, and do not. James, a book that is very practical in nature. To me, it is Christianity 101. And James said that we're to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So what about somebody who claims to have a relationship with the Lord, but as John would say, they're not abiding in His truth. They're not walking in accordance with His truth. Well, there's a contradiction there, isn't there? Something's out of balance. Something's not right. You ever had a tire that's out of balance on your car? You know, sometimes you can ride around town, you can't really tell it, but you get out on the interstate and you get up to 
65. I didn't say that. But you get up to a certain speed and what happens? You feel that bump or that shake, don't you? By the same token, when we talk about living the Christian life, we want to make sure that our profession and our practice go hand in hand. Now, look over in chapter 1 for a minute. In chapter 1, verse 5, John said, This is the message which we've heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, to walk in darkness would simply be to walk out of step with the Word of God. In other words, we're out of cadence. In the military, we talk about marching. And they want you to march in cadence, don't they? And if you get out of step, they'll let you know it. Well, by the same token, those of us who are in Christ, we want to walk in cadence with the will of God. But John said, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we claim to be His people, but we don't walk in the truth or practice the truth, but rather we walk in darkness, he said, he said if we say that we have fellowship with Him, walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But note now in verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sins. And so, there is this consistency in our walk. We're trying every day to live in harmony with the will of God. We're trying to draw closer to God, aren't we? Do you remember Jesus said, for example, over in John, well, in John chapter 8, in verse 31, He said, If you abide in My Word, then you are My disciples indeed. So here's the idea. We're trying to abide in the doctrine of Christ. We understand our, our fellowship is contingent upon that, isn't it? So there's this consistency in our walk. We're not living one way one day and another way another day and then back to this way the next day and then back to the other way. No, we're trying to be consistent. But then there is what I would call the constancy of our walk. And that has to do with our faithfulness to God. We're trying to live. We're trying to live faithfully for Him every day. Now, here's what I want you to see. Faithfulness to God does not mean that we're faultless. Doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, that we don't stumble and fall from time to time. Maybe that's one of the problems that people have when it comes to their security. They stumble, they fall, they say they do something that's out of harmony with the will of God. And so it's as if that fellowship has been breached and they're no longer living under the banner of God's grace, mercy, and love. So I want you to listen again to what John said in verse 7. Again, we're talking about faithfulness, but not faultlessness. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now back up and look at verse 6 again. I want you to see something here. 
You remember John said, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, He said we lie and what? Do not practice the truth. The word practice is an important word in this point. We're talking about a lifestyle here. It is a consistent and a constant practice, day in, day out. Well, okay, so we stumble and fall. Let's just say we don't measure up. And are there times in life when we as God's people don't measure up? Absolutely. So listen to what John said, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But he said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. His word's not in us. Now I want to ask you a question. To whom is John writing? Is he writing to people who are in the faith or people who have never obeyed the faith? John's writing to Christians, isn't he? He's writing to Christians to encourage them in their walk with the Lord so that they might feel secure in their relationship to God. So drop down, look now at chapter 2, verse 1. John said, My little children, these things I write to you. All right, why am I writing? That you might not sin. John's saying, okay, here's the ideal. The ideal is you rise above a life of sin. That is, a life of habitual sin. You rise above missing the mark. But he said, if any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, it might be that you're here tonight, or maybe you're watching by way of our streaming service. And you have an attorney on retainer. And all you have to do is, if some type of legal problem comes up, you just pick up the phone, call your attorney, and he'll handle it, or she will handle it. As a child of God, do we not have legal representation? Yes, we do. Jesus is functioning as our advocate. So when we stumble and fall, what did John say that we're to do? He said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right. So who then is the attorney? Who is our legal representative standing before the bar of heaven pleading our case? The Lord Jesus, isn't He? Let me tell you what, he has never lost a case. Never. His blood makes it possible for my sins and your sins to be washed away. Now you remember the Hebrew writer said back in chapter 8, verse 12, talking about the covenant under which we live now. He said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. All right? So you mean to tell me if somebody obeys the gospel of Christ, they can be forgiven of any sin. They can be forgiven of all sin. That's exactly right. Well, what about as a child of God? Let's just say that we say something, we do something, we stumble and fall. You mean to tell me God will forgive me of any sin, of all sin? That's exactly right. That's what John's saying, isn't it? And John is writing so that we might have a sense of assurance. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago that word practice. Turn over chapter 3 very quickly. 
In chapter 3, listen to John. John begins by talking about how we are the children of God. We are sons of God. And you remember Paul said in Romans chapter, in Romans chapter 8 that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, aren't we? So in 1 John chapter 3, John would say in verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness or iniquity. Sin is lawlessness or iniquity. He said, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Now, he's not saying that once you become a child of God and you're abiding in him, you're abiding in his word and read John 15. He's not saying that you're never going to sin. What he is saying, though, is you're not living a life, a lifestyle of habitual sin. That's what he's saying. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that it might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. When he talks about being born of God, when does that occur? When we're baptized into Christ. We are said to be born again, John chapter 3, you remember? And we die to the love and the practice of sin. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Paul said we rise to walk in newness of life. He would write to the Corinthians. And he would say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So those who have been born of God, John said, they do not sin. Why? Because his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Is there not a correlation between our faithfulness to God and the Word of God? Sure there is. We take that Word we deposit it into our heart, and then we, after having internalized it, we live it out every day, don't we? It's called practicing the truth, trying to be a practitioner of divine truth. Look at verse 10. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. You mean to tell me if somebody's been baptized into Christ and they profess to be a follower of Christ, but they're walking in darkness, if their life is the complete opposite of what the Bible teaches, you mean to tell me that they're not in fellowship with God? That's right. That's what John's saying. Why? Because they practice unrighteousness. They're not practicing righteousness. Now, go back and look again at chapter 3. We talk about our consistency in the Lord and our constancy in the Lord. How is it that I bring my faith to a sense of maturity? Let's think about that for a minute. Let's talk about our challenge in Christ. John said in verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Our love for God is made complete by what? By our submission to His will, by our obedience to God. By this we know that we are in Him. Note if you would, John specifically talking about how we can know. We can know 
that we are in Him. We can know that our relationship is intact. How so? By honoring His Word. And then He says, He who says he abides in Him ought himself also to walk just as He walked. So what about our challenge in Christ? First, there is this expectation. What is the expectation of Scripture with regard to those of us who belong to the family of God? You know what the expectation is? That we live a Christ-like life. That is, that is easier said than done, isn't it? You know, Peter talked about in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, how Christ left us an example that we should follow in His steps. And sometimes we talk about following in the footsteps of Jesus. And you remember in Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, developing the mind of Christ, the mentality of Christ. And so this expectation of living a Christ-like life Sometimes, you ever feel like you fall miserably short? Well, sure, why? Because we're imperfect beings, aren't we? There was only one perfect person to ever live on planet Earth. That one person was Jesus, wasn't it? And He set the bar very high. And so you think about, okay, here's the expectation, but what about His example? When you go back and you, and you start sifting through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do we not have an example that ought to set us apart from the world? When you think about, think about for a minute or two how Jesus conducted Himself on planet Earth. Number one, when you look at the life of Jesus, Aren't you impressed with His submissiveness to the Father? You know, we talk about being submissive to the will of God. And there are times when we talk about praying and saying, God, we want Your will to be done and not our will. But deep down inside, typically, what do we want? We want our will to come, come to pass, don't we? Why? Because we're human beings. But Jesus said, for example, in John chapter, well, in John chapter 6, he said, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of whom? The will of the Father. Do you remember Jesus in the shadow of the cross? He is praying to God the Father. And He said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And then you think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, wrestling with the weight of the cross, as we noted last week in our study, when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane and you see Jesus as He prays to the Father, three times Jesus pleads with the Father to remove the cup of suffering that lay before Him. But He always said, nevertheless, not as I will, but Your will be done. Isn't the prerequisite to becoming a child of God submissiveness to the will of God? I mean, didn't Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
And didn't Jesus say on one occasion, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So, to look at his life and to stand in awe, as it were, of his submissiveness. But then, not only can I read something about his submissive behavior, he was submissive to the Father, yes, but he sought to satisfy the Father. Now, we're talking about trying to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. I want to give you a passage of Scripture, and I want you to, if you have the opportunity or if you have a pen with you, I would encourage you either write this verse down or underline it in your Bible and go home and just think on this verse over the next few days. In John chapter 8, verse 29, listen to what Jesus said. I always do those things that please my Father. Boy, that is, a, that is an incredible statement, isn't it? Jesus said, I always do those things that please my Father. So if we're talking about walking in the footsteps of Jesus and trying to become more Christ-like in this life, you talk about a tall order. Talk, talk about setting the bar high. For Jesus to say, look, my life is in absolute harmony with my Father. And so what I want to encourage us to do over the, over the next few days is just think about that verse. And think about that verse in light of your life. And think about how that ought to inspire us to strive to the best of our ability to walk in His footsteps. So can we be confident in Christ? Yes. Can we be confident in our, in our relationship to God today? Well, the answer is yes. Can we be confident in our relationship to God when we come to the end of our life here on planet Earth? Yes or no? Yes. I want to close with these words. Look over in 1 John chapter 5. Since we're talking about our assurance. In 1 John 5, 11, John said, This is the testimony. This is the record. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now look at verse 13. These things I have written to you. What things? Everything that he's just penned. I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. You mean to tell me, John, you're writing so that I might know that I have eternal life? That's exactly right and that you may continue to believe, that is, an ongoing thing, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, turn back and look at 1 John 2.25. Listen to John in 1 John 2, verse 25. This is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. Do you believe in the promises of God? Everything that God says in Scripture, He backs it up, doesn't He? Backs it up 
As we, say, as we would say, He guarantees it. You know, we talk about standing behind our work, guaranteeing our work or our service. When God makes promises, He stands behind those promises. John is writing to Christians in the first century, and what he's trying to do is to increase their assurance level in Christ. To give them a sense of security. You like security, don't you? We all like security. You know, a lot of people, I know people that trade cars every couple of years, and the reason is because they want to make sure that they've got a car that won't break down. If it does break down, it's under warranty. Many of us, we have, we have alarm systems, security systems in our home. Why is that? Because we want to make sure that our possessions and our loved ones are safe. Well, John's writing so that we might feel a sense of safety in Christ, assurance in Christ. So tonight, if you're not a Christian, and you've never obeyed the gospel, and maybe you've thought about it, but you've just never taken the initiative to obey Christ, what would you need to do? Well, it begins with faith in the Lord, doesn't it? Without faith, it's impossible to be, well, to be well pleasing to Him. We've got to have faith in the Lord. And of course, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And then to repent. To quit practicing unrighteousness and start practicing righteousness, as John talked about. So we repent of our sins. We confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart based on what Paul said in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And then we're immersed in water. We are submerged in a watery grave of baptism so that we can contact the blood of Christ, be added to the body of Christ, and be numbered among the redeemed, the saved, to be a member of the church and have all of our sins washed away. If you haven't done that, tonight you have a golden opportunity. If you're here tonight, and maybe your life's out of harmony with the will of God, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, we are here to help you, to encourage you, to pray with you. We'll do what we can to help get you back on the right track. So tonight we encourage you to come as we stand and sing.